You're listening to Amazing Health, where we empower you to make informed health decisions. This is What Are We Doing with the Health Message, Episode 4, with Walt Cross. So have you enjoyed the meetings? I sure have. It was June 5, 1863. General Lee was heading from Fredericksburg over to the Culpeper Courthouse. He was stopping there, then he was heading over to the Shenandoah Valley, then soon to head on up towards what was soon to be called the Battle of Gettysburg. As Lee was going across from Fredericksburg over to Culpeper, Abraham Lincoln sent Hooker down to try to cut Lee off and attack the Virginia Army. But he didn't catch him that same evening. That same evening, October 5. Now, sometimes you will hear October 6, and I'll explain the difference between October 5 and October 6. That's on that same day, 156 years ago. 156 years ago, James and Ellen White visited Otesco, Michigan, about 30 miles from Battle Creek, to support and encourage evangelistic workers there. They were having an evangelistic series. At sunset, a number of the believers gathered to welcome in the Sabbath. Ellen White was asked to offer the opening Sabbath prayer. And as she put her hand on her husband's shoulder, she began to pray. And during her prayer, she received a 45-minute vision. This vision revealed the relation on physical health and spirituality or physical health to spirituality, the importance of following the right principles in diet, in the care of the body, and on the benefits of nature's remedial or remedies in clean air, sunshine, exercise, and pure water. It was this vision, one of many to come, that Seventh-day Adventist, that the Seventh-day Adventist Church began its journey in health. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Lord, we, we thank you for this week that we've had here as we've continued to learn that we can better prepare for your son's soon coming. Lord, help us to understand your expectations. Lord, help equip us that we can be able to be that worker for you, that effective worker for you, that we may share your son's love with our neighbor, our friends, our family. Help us to be better prepared, that we may be more effective. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is actually the house which Mrs. White was in. But can you imagine? It's been how long? How long? Is that not a long time? I mean, think of it. It's been since the Civil War that this church has had this information. When I worked in healthcare, we worked, who works in healthcare? Who knows what API is? Assess, plan, implement, and evaluate. When we look at a problem, we assess it, we then make a plan for the patient, uh, then we implement the plan, then we evaluate how effective that plan of care was. If there's a problem, we come back over and then we reassess. <clears throat> back a number of years ago, we, we added something in the state of North Carolina, we added M to it, mission. What is the mission of the healthcare institution? That then would drive the API, so we called it MAPI. So what I'd like to do today is look at the last component evaluate. What's our mission? What is our mission? Have you all been listening this week? Or 
How, what is our mission? To point the sin-sick soul to Christ. Is that right? Is that our mission? That was Christ's mission was to save sinners. Our, our job is to point the sin-sick soul to Christ. So if that's our mission, we, we, we're going to assess. There's been a plan. It hopefully implemented what we're doing today. It was we're evaluating 156 years later. Are we following that plan? Now, this is written from um, Mrs. White's secretary. In June 1863 at Otesco, Michigan, Mrs., uh, Mrs. E.G. White was given a vision in which she received much precious instruction for the church regarding the pers uh, preservation, uh, preservation of health and principles in relation of relation treatment of, uh, I'm sorry, rational treatment of, of disease. During subsequent years, she wrote and published hundreds of papers on this subject. In an article for the papers, in a number of books, and in manuscripts and letters, Mrs. White set forth principles of healthful living that have stood the test of time. Okay, let's go back. What happened? Principles of healthful living, which have what? Stood the test of time and scientific research. She pointed out the evils of the common use of poisonous drugs in medical practices, according to her secretary, and urged the values of natural remedies, sunlight, fresh air, healthful food, pure water, exercise, rest, and the value of water as a means of applying heat and cold in the treatment of disease. We usually hear that as hot and cold. Here it is, heat and cold. So let's take a look at God's health care system. Did you know that God has a health care system? He sure does. So we're going to take a look at it today. So the middle of the health care system, what is the center is what? The church. That is the hub. And then we have different spokes around that. And then we have supporting or ancillaries over here on the side. And that's what we're going to look at. Are we following that plan, which we were given how long ago? Okay. 156 years ago. We're going to look at the first one, the church. It is the divine plan that we shall work as the disciples worked. Physical healing is bound up in the gospel commission. In the work of the gospel, teaching and healing are never to be separated. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at kind of a check sheet. Are we following these plans that God has given us 156 years ago? So what is the goal on the first one here? Teaching and healing are what? Not to be separated. Are we doing that today? Are we consistently doing that? Anytime we're dealing with gospel teaching, is healing part of that consistently? As we look at the healing process, is the gospel part of that? Are we doing that today consistently? So, no. So we won't put a check on that one. The medical missionary work should be a part of the work in every church in our land. What's the requirement here? Medical missionary work is to be in every church. Are we following that criteria? Nope, no check mark. The indifference among our ministers in regard to health reform and the medical missionary work is surprising. Even those who do not profess to be Christians treat the subject with greater respect than do some of our own people. These are going in advance of us. Well, I can put a check on the bottom. Would you agree? But how about the top? Are we still having a challenge there? Are we still having a challenge? What's the challenge? 
What's the challenge? Okay, there's still indifference amongst our ministers regarding health reform and medical missionary work. God wants ministers and church members to take a decided active interest in the medical missionary work. Do we see consistently um, globally this happening? Okay? So when we do the API process or the MAPI process, and as we sit down as a team, we look at it and assess whether or not we're following our plan. And if we're not following our plan, then we have to identify that, and then we have to put it back, reassess it, and then uh, build a new plan. We don't have time to do that today. We're just assessing today, but that's what now needs to happen. Are we doing it? Are we not doing it? Looking at the outcome indicators, how well is it working? If it's not working well, then how do we go back, look at our original mission, look at our original plan, what do we need to do? Because obviously it's not being that plan. There's a problem with the plan. It needs re-implemented. So we need to go back and assess it. Does that make sense? Can we as individuals do that? Okay. A gospel minister will be twice, twice as successful in his work if he understands how to treat disease continually. Increasing light has been given me on this subject. A minister of the gospel who is also a medical missionary who can cure physical ailments is much more efficient worker than one who cannot do this. His work as a minister of the gospel is much more complete. Now, as I speak to uh, theology students, and I look at this, and if they come out of school and they only know theology, but they have no ability to understand how to treat disease, and they're doing their 100% on the gospel side, what percentage are they coming out? 50%. But who's 100% coming out of school? Who's 100% ever? I remember when I graduated, I thought, boy, I'm now a graduate. I've got this degree. I just know everything. What did I do? I fell on my nose. School may have dug the footers, may have put some rebar, but it didn't even put the concrete in there. It is, it is a life experience that builds that structure. And so as we look at these gospel ministers, if they're not also medical missionaries, and they're doing 100% on the gospel side, but they're not doing the other, they're just 50% effective. And corporate, who's going to hire a 50% effective person? You will never be ministers after the gospel order till you show a decided interest in medical missionary work. The gospel of healing and blessing and strengthening all through California, as well as other parts of America, work must be done that has not uh, yet been accomplished. The medical missionary work must be recognized. Those who go forth as ministers of gospels of the gospel should be intelligent upon this subject. Those ministers who, after many years' experience, have no true appreciation of the medical missionary work should not be appointed to preside over churches, over our churches. For they are not walking in the light of the truth for this time. Ministers who have not heeded the light God has given upon health reform should not be placed in charge of workers who love the truth and appreciate health and temperance reform in all its bearings. For what help can such be to the church or to the workers. So we're looking at two different groups here. We're looking at that minister at the, in the field. If he doesn't know the medical missionary work, what's it saying? Also, if he works in the offices, and if he doesn't, then he shouldn't be able to, he should not be allowed to oversee people. Do you see that? 
Is that clear? Okay. Now let's look at members. Now the church, again, is the, it, that is the foundation. That is the center, that's the core of God's systematic healthcare system. And I'll explain that a little later. But then we, around here, we have spokes. And our most powerful spoke is the members. The most powerful spoke is the members. And who is that? That's y'all. That's y'all out there that are listening from wherever you're listening, from Japan or, or uh, New York City or wherever, or Texas. I understand we've got a lot of folks listening from Texas today. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. The world is a laser house filled with victims of both physical and spiritual disease. Everywhere people are perishing for lack of knowledge of truths that have been committed to us. The members of the church are in need of an awakening that, may re- uh, that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. So do we have every member taking hold of the medical missionary work? Are we meeting that? Every person should have a knowledge in natural remedial agencies and how to apply them. It is essential both to understand the principles involved in the treatment of the sick and have a practical training that will enable one rightly to use this knowledge. We looked at this the other day, so I won't go into what we're looking at there, but are we having every person again? Okay. The Lord gave me great light on health reform. In connection with my, uh, in, uh, connection with my husband, I was to be a medical missionary worker. I was to set an example to the church by taking the sick into my home and caring for them. This I have done, giving women and children vigorous treatment. So what is the example that she gave? Bringing people into our home and taking care of them. Are we doing that? Christ commits to his followers an individual work, a work that cannot be done by proxy. Ministry to the sick and the poor, the giving of the gospel to the lost, is not to be left to committees or organized charities. Individual responsibility, individual effort, personal sacrifice is the requirement of the gospel. Are we meeting that criteria? Let's look at the school. The school is really important, and I know a lot of folks homeschool. We homeschooled our kids. Uh, if, we, if the school is doing what it's supposed to, the school can do a whole lot. Um, but it's not just elementary school, it's academy, it's, it's, it's college, it's the university. Let's look and see what the requirement is there. Our church schools are ordained by God to prepare the children for this great work. Here children are to be instructed in the special truths for this time and the practical uh, missionary work. They are to enlist in the, in the army of workers to help the sick and the suffering. Children can take part in the what? Medical missionary work. And by their jots and tittles can help to carry it forward. So that should be part of the curriculum. A practical knowledge of science and human life is necessary in order to glorify God in our bodies. It is therefore the highest importance that among the studies selected for childhood, physiology should occupy first place. Do our children understand physiology? And we talked about that the other day, the importance of children understanding physiology. There is a message regarding health reform to be born in every church. There is a work to be done in every school. Neither principal nor teacher should be entrusted with the education of the youth till 
they have a practical knowledge in this subject. What subject? Health reform. Some have felt at liberty to criticize and question and find fault with health reform principles of which they knew little by experience. They should stand shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart with those who are working in right lines. Let's look at restaurants. Again, these are requirements in God's healthcare system. Hygienic restaurants will be established, but with what carefulness should this work be done? Every hygienic restaurant should be a school. So every vegetarian restaurant that our members have in each city should be what? A school. The workers connected with it should be constantly studying and experimenting that they may take improvements in preparing and preparation of healthful foods. It was in the late 1800s. Who's read PH 100? PH 100. I'd encourage you to read it. It's testimonies to the physicians and helpers of the sanitarium. Battle Creek had a philosophy at that time in the late 17, uh, in the late 1870s, 1870s, like 1878, I believe. And the philosophy was, if someone said you ought to change something, they said, no, we ain't going to do that. That's just the way we do it around here. Have you ever heard people having that attitude? That's just how we do it around here. Well, that didn't work out too good. Uh, they got, uh, uh, Mrs. White had a, had a vision. Uh, she wrote a PH 100. And 21 years later, uh, Dr. Kellogg was considered the best physician in the world. Why? He heeded that letter. What did it say in that letter? Well, one of the things it said was, you need to be better today than yesterday, and you need to be better tomorrow than you are today. It wasn't Stephen Covey. It wasn't Deming who came up with continuous quality improvement. It happened in Battle Creek, Michigan. So that's what it's talking about here. The workers connected with it should be constantly studying and experimenting that they may make improvements in the preparation of healthful foods. Just because you got a recipe at the restaurant doesn't mean it has to always stay that way. Continually make it better, make it better, make it better. Mary Lou just changed our mac and cheese. Folks love her mac and cheese. She changed to a macaroni out of Italy. And it's, it's, a, um, it's, a, uh, uh, it's a brown rice, but it just tastes so much better. So you're constantly looking at how can you make it to taste better, to be more healthy. I have been given light that in many cities it is advisable for a restaurant to be connected with treatment rooms. Okay, so our restaurants are, need to have what? Treatment rooms. The two can cooperate in upholding right principles. In connection with these, it is sometimes advisable to have rooms that will serve as lodging for the sick. So, all, so it's not only just a place where they can eat, not only where they can, you can do some hydrotherapy, some massage therapies or whatever, but also someone can stay. These establishments will serve as feeders to the sanitariums located in the country and would better be conducted in rented buildings. Where are our sanitariums supposed to be? In the city or in the country? In the country, that's right. So these restaurants can, can pull in interest, and then the ones that they cannot handle, and they need more uh, c a controlled environment, they then can refer them out to those lifestyle centers that are outside each major city. 
men and women who eat at the restaurants established in different places will become conscious of an improvement in health. And Mary Lou and I see that. We have people who come in, our, our deli's open Monday through Thursday. We were open on Fridays, but I'm gone so much and Mary Lou goes with me, it's just difficult because we have to leave to have it on fr- open on Friday. So we just do Monday through Thursday. And we have people who literally come in every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and that's their food for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for their noon meal. And sometimes they're getting their suppers. And, and many times on Thursday, they're getting their food for the weekend. Those people can tell a difference in how well they think, how well they feel. Now, what's that do? They can see outcomes. Then you can share with them what? Well, we're going to have some cooking classes. You know, would you do this class or would you like this? It's, it's a feeder into more relationship and education with these people. Their confidence once gained, and there's no question, there's huge confidence that you gain with the folks like that. They will be more ready uh, to accept God's special message of truth. That's definitely so. Definitely so. The question has been asked, should our restaurants be opened on the Sabbath? My answer is not no. It's no, no. The observance of Sabbath is our witness to God, the marker sign between him and us that we are his people. Never is this mark to be obliterated. But you know that my neighbor talked to my son the other day. And he says, listen, he runs a tanning bed. He says, now listen, Walter. He says, I know y'all don't open up on your Sabbath, but you're missing a lot of business. He's a businessman. He says, I tell you what, y'all take off. Just give me the keys. I'll run that business on Saturday. You give me the money that I gain on Saturday. And uh, he says, you're just missing a lot of money there. But you know what? Yes, we're closed on Sabbath. And you know what happens? People come back Monday. God blesses. Let's look at the food store. In San Francisco, a hygienic restaurant has been opened. Also a food store and treatment rooms. So again, we've got restaurants open, we've got food stores open, and we have treatment rooms. Let centers of influence be made in many of the southern cities by opening food stores and vegetarian restaurants. Let centers of influence. You got that? So as that a promise, if if you as a parent ask your child to do something, are you going to set them up to fail? No. And so here's God saying, let centers of influence be made in many of the southern cities. Well, it doesn't have to be in the south. It can be anywhere. I was in, uh, where was I? I was in Michigan. This was in 1979. I went up to see my uncle up in, uh, up in, up off the uh, western lake up in uh, Michigan. He was in the Air Force there. And uh, it was for Thanksgiving. Well, I went into this little store to get something for my grandmother. And the lady says, oh, you're from down south, aren't you? I said, how could you tell? And she goes, uh, well, my daughter's from down south. I said, really? She says, yes. I said, where? She said, Detroit. And she was serious as could be because up, up in that upper part of Michigan, that was down south to them. Well, so it could be southern Michigan. 
Let centers of influence be made in many of the southern cities or wherever around the world by opening food stores and vegetarian restaurants. So what will happen if you set up a vegetarian, a food store, a health food store in a restaurant? What will it become? A center of influence. That's a promise. That is a promise. And I can tell you we're finding that true. Animals are becoming more and more diseased. And it will not be long until animal food will be discarded by many besides Seventh-day Adventists. Foods that are healthful and life-sustaining are to be prepared so that men and women will not need to eat meat. So as we look at the issue of a health food store, we're there to provide healthful food to people because is there a problem with meat? Well, are other people saying there's a problem with meat? This is Cornell University. We do not need animal protein. We do not need animal protein. Who's heard of that school, Cornell University? This is Cornell University in Cambridge over in England came up with this study. It's, this is Corn, one of Cornell's classes, and I'll show you one of their courses. We do not need animal protein. We do not need to run the risk. If we just consume a plant-based diet that has adequate amounts of different kinds of food, they will just naturally have enough protein. So you don't just eat the same old, same old all the time, but you, you eat a plant-based diet that's broad spectrum. The closer people come to consuming an all-plant-based diet, the lower the risk for chronic de degenerative diseases uh, that are so common here in the West. This is Cornell University, the course fundamental, uh, nutrition fundamentals, one of the courses that I took at Cornell. And in the class, you know what else they said? They said that dairy is the most significant chemical carcinogen ever discovered. Cornell University. Let me say that again. That was kind of tough for an old dairy boy. I grew up on a dairy farm. Cornell University, in our class, Fundamental Nutrition, it said that dairy was the most significant chemical carcinogen ever discovered. Are they going before us? Let's look at clinics. Now, we need a clinic in each community, and that clinic has a physician. Uh, it's got, it could have physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, respiratory therapy, massage, chiropractic, whatever that could be in that clinic. What's it say about clinics? On Market Street, near the city hall, there were treatment rooms, and that's what they were. You'll see. Operated as a branch of St. Helena Sanitarium. So it was treatment rooms that had physicians that was a branch of St. Helena as, a again, a feeder. And, and the same locality was also a health food store near the center of the city, not far from the call building, was conducted a vegetarian cafe. It was open six days in the week and entirely closed on Sabbath. So here's the situation. You've got, uh, you've got um, a clinic or a doctor's office, which has, you can have different modalities uh, or different, uh, uh, different types of care there. Um, uh, you've got a health food store, a vegetarian cafe, and it's closed on Sabbath. The Christian physician, here we go, this Christian physician should regard his work as exalted as that of the, what? Ministry. He bears a double responsibility, for in him are combined the qualifications of both physician and gospel minister. He is a grand, a sacred, and a very necessary work.
Now, there's a lot of medical missionaries out there who say, oh, we don't need physicians. What's God say? They can be very valuable. Now, does that mean that, if, that a medical missionary cannot operate without a physician? No, there's plenty of work to be done. But if you can work together, you can get that much more work done. It's just without them, you, something's got to be done. We're all to be medical missionaries, so we will get work done. But together, just think. You got a, uh, in healthcare, you've got a, uh, let's say someone has a, let's say that you, you fracture your hip. And so you fracture your hip, and you go in and you get a hip surgery. My roommate in school, he just got hip surgery. He was out in two and a half hours heading home. A total hip. And he was already heading home in two and a half hours. Amazing. Now, that was done in Atlanta. He lives up in Chattanooga. Did the orthopedic surgeon, now is he going to follow him and do his physical therapy? No, you got to have PT. Correct? Now, let's say that uh, a physician, um, let's say you, 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 on the way home you fracture something, and that, phys- that orthopedist says, boy, I need to see exactly what's going on. Does he need the x-ray department? Yeah. And, or let's say that you're, you, you're physician, you say, Doc, I'm having some challenges. Uh, I don't know, I'm just having some discomfort. Um, do you need to go to a cardiologist? But does that cardiologist, do he, does he send you off to another department to have the diagnostics done? Absolutely. The same thing is in God's healthcare system. We can use everybody together, working together. We can do far more than if we're there by ourselves. Do you see how that works? Okay. The physician and the minister should realize that they are engaged in the same work. They should labor in perfect harmony. They should counsel together. By their unity, they will bear witness that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world to save all who will believe in Him as their personal Savior, to point the sin-sick soul to Christ. That's that's the mission of the physician. That's the mission of the pastor. That's all of our mission. Prayer will give the sick an abiding confidence. And in many times, if their case is are born to the great physician in humble trust, it will do far more for them than all the drugs that can be administered. Prayer is so important, y'all. I have a friend. Uh, well, I had a lady come in, and she says, Walt, I'm having a, a, a digestion issue, and my, my physician tells me that I need to go to a gastroenterologist and have a, a colonoscopy. I said, well, tell me a little. She says, do I need the, the colonoscopy? I said, well, tell me a little bit more. And so she's telling me more about the situation. And I said, so who did he recommend? She says, it's Dr. K something. Dr. K something. I said, where is it? She says, well, he's up at Tacoma Hospital. Oh, Dr. Crutchmeyer. Yes, that's the name. That's the name. That's odd. They usually send folks over to Morristown. Why are they sending them up to Greenville now? And uh, I said, so why did your doctor recommend Dr. Crutchmeyer? She says, because my doctor says he prays with patients. Joe and I go to the same church. Joe prays with his patients. It's so important. Prayer is so, so important. Pure air, sunlight, abstemiousness, rest. These are the modalities that need to be taking place that the, the physicians and the staff are teaching their patients to use. Pure air, sunlight, abstemiousness, rest, exercise, proper diet, the use of water, trust in divine power. These are the what? 
true remedies. We talked about false and true the other day. It is essential both to understand the principles involved in the treatment of the sick and to how to have a practical training that will enable one rightly to use this knowledge. Now that, Dr. Joe, I don't, did I share with y'all about him the other day, about what he does? I don't think I did. I'll, I'll share it again. So you go in to see him. He's a gastroenterologist. And so you go in, and, uh, and he has his little prescription pad. And you come in, and uh, he, you tell him whatever problem might be going on with your GI. And uh, he says, now, I can, I, can, uh, I can prescribe you this drug, say, Imuran, or here's the side effects, or prednisone, and here's the side effects, or Asacol, and here's the side effects, or this drug, here's the side effects. But let me recommend something else. And he starts writing the prescription. The first one is nutrition. And here's what he wants them to eat. The next one is exercise. And he tells them how much exercise he wants to do. The next one is water. And how much... Is he doing this? He's exactly doing this because he read this. And now this is how... This is his prescription to his patients. Isn't that cool? Now... So he writes each one of these and tells his patients exactly what he wants those patients to do under each one of these. And then, now, this is interesting, but not the cool part yet. And then he says, after that, I want you to go to um, YouTube, Amazing Discoveries, and put in Walk Cross. And I want you to watch those. That's not the cool part. So then, next time the patient comes in, two weeks later, four weeks later, and you come back in, and you say, okay, Dr. Kretschmar, uh, and he says, okay, and he pulls out the old, his notes, and he says, okay, let's see here, nutrition, are you doing this? Okay, good, okay, exercise, are you doing this? Need a little more exercise, okay, water, nope, you need to drink about another liter of water, okay, and, and he goes through each one of them, he says, okay, now, did you watch the, um, did you watch the, the videos I asked you to on YouTube? You did? How'd you like them? Great. Okay. Now I've got another set for you to watch. And he says, I want you, now this is a cool part. He says, I want you to go to YouTube, Amazing Discoveries, but I have a different Walter that I want you to watch. <laughs> he says, I want you to watch Walter Weiss. Isn't that cool? That's what should be happening in our physician offices in our communities. Do you see how God, ha and this physician, this gastroenterologist, I mean, he's totally stepping out of standard of practice. Would you agree? But who's protecting it? He's been doing this now for several years. And God is protecting him. Why? Because he's following God's word. God's not going to set you up to fail. There are many simple herbs which, if our nurses would learn the value of, they could be used in the place of drugs and find very effective. So we're now looking at you know, different modalities, different treatments that we can use in this clinic. Now, I'm going to look at this, and again, the clinic should be recommending this information. But I'd like to challenge some of this. Okay, the subject of temperance should be strongly presented and a pledge to abstain from all intoxicating liquor and from tobacco. And so the clinic needs to be teaching to abstain from what? Liquor. And tobacco. Now, this was given to us back many, now that was doing in 1904, but this originally was when we first get this message, 156 years ago. But could we use the philosophy, but you know, that was 1904, that was 156 years ago. You know, 
there's just some different alcohol out there today. There's Bud Light today. That's, that can't be as bad for you. We can do Bud Light, right? Because she didn't say you can't do Bud Light. Or maybe uh, tobacco. Yes, tobacco is terrible, awful, but vaping. You know, they didn't have vaping back then, and vaping's kind of a newer thing, probably a little healthier maybe. And she didn't say we can't vape, so we can go ahead and vape. No. Effects on all caffeine drinks. The action of ca coffee and many other popular drinks is similar. The first effect is exhilarating. The nerves of the stomach are excited. These convey irritation to the brain. And this, in turn, is aroused to impart increased action to the heart and short-lived energy to the entire system. Fatigue is forgotten. The strength seems to be increased. The intellect is aroused. The imagination becomes more vivid. But see, they didn't have lattes back then. You know, lattes, you know, that's just a whole different animal. We can do lattes, can't we? She didn't say we can't do lattes. Or, or maybe caffeine drinks. Now, when it talks about teas, well, she's talking about caffeinated teas, not herbal teas like we have out here. But, you know, they had Coca-Cola back then. But Dr. Pepper, I mean, Dr. Pepper, you know, that's, that, that's not as bad. Um, that'd be okay, wouldn't it? Do you see where I'm going? The habit of drinking tea and coffee is a greater evil than is often suspected. So in these clinics, we should be teaching these people, just like Dr. Joe. He's teaching them not to drink. He's teaching them not to use tobacco. He's teaching them not to use caffeine. He's following this plan under the tea. As he has his, his prescription, he goes, N-E-W-S-T, T is temperance. And so he's asking them, Henry, do you smoke? Let's work on that. Joe, do you drink? Let's work on that. Do you see what he's doing? He's going through those laws of health and he's addressing these items right here. Sugar clogs the system. It hinders the working of the living machine. It is better to let uh, sweet things alone. Let al alone those sweet dessert dishes that are placed on the table. You do not need them. You want a clear mind to think after God's order. But you know, they got some new sweeteners today that I'm, she didn't talk about. Those would be okay, wouldn't they? No? We should not be prevailed upon to take anything into the mouth. We should not be prevailed upon to take anything into the mouth that would bring the body into an unhealthy condition no matter how much we like it is that pretty simple pretty plain because we are God's property because we have been what bought how's it go with a price and what is that price Christ because we are God's property you have a you have a crown to win a heaven to gain, and a hell to shun. Then, for Christ's sake, I ask you, will you have the light shine before you in clear and distinct rays and then turn away from it and say, I love this and I love that? God calls upon every one of you to begin to plan.
to cooperate with God in His great care and love, to evaluate, ennoble, and to sanctify the whole soul, body, and spirit, that we may be workers together with God. So, do you see how temperance affects our ability to work for God? Can you see that? I have been shown that more deaths, and one of y'all gave this to me. I hadn't seen this before. I'm, thank you for sharing it with me uh, yesterday. I was shown that more deaths have been caused by drugging than from all other causes combined. Let's read that again. I was shown that more deaths have been caused by drug taking than from all other causes. Causes of what? Death combined. And it was interesting as we looked yesterday at the statistics, and it's true. The statistics are true and proven it today out of the, out of the United States statistics. If there were in the land one physician in the place of thousands, a vast amount of premature mortality uh, would be prevented. Multitudes of physicians and, mul and multitudes of drugs have cursed the inhabitants of the earth and have carried thousands and tens of thousands to untimely graves. But you don't understand. That was the drugs back then. We got new drugs today. We got new antibiotics today. We got new this, new that, and we're using science today. Never did it say Coca-Cola's would be okay. Never did it say tobacco would be okay. Never did it say sugar would be okay. And never does it say drugs will be okay. Now, I want to preface for those that are listening today for the first time, especially those out are listening uh, on the television right now. I'm not saying that we need to discontinue our meds right now. Let me explain. When physicians understand physiology in its truest sense, their use of drugs will be very much less, and finally they will cease to use them at all. The physician who depends upon drug medication in his practice shows that he does not understand the delicate machinery of the human organism. So what's it saying? So as the decrescendo of drug medication is used, it's based on the understanding of physiology. When I worked in regular health care for 20 years, we never reversed diabetes type 2. We never did a thing with type 1. It was always diabetic management through pharmaceuticals. On cardiac, if you had a terrible awful ejection fraction, it just wasn't a lot we could do to give you some meds, but we did not see the improvement then. When I left regular health care, Corporate told me I was crazy. Then they told me I was stupid that you cannot reverse diabetes and you cannot help correct type 1. They told me I was going to ruin my reputation in healthcare. Why? Because they didn't know anything else. And based on what they knew, yeah, it was kind of crazy. But as you understand physiology, then you can see, wait, wait a minute, we can see how to fix ejection fraction. We can see how to affect uh, diabetes type 2, diabetes type 1, and, and, and as the list goes on and on. Let's say a person came to me this, you know, while we've been here, and they had a question on uh, shingles. Do you have to use drugs for shingles? No, we have tremendous success using just simple remedies on shingles, and they're working much better than the drug we were using. But you've got to understand what? 
the physiology. The lady that came to Mary Lou just a few weeks ago, she had schizophrenia. She'd been on drugs for 20 years. They were getting ready to shock her brain. And Mary Lou recommended just a few things, but mostly she recommended that God will bless those. And she came back just one week later and tells me one or two weeks later, and she says, schizophrenia is totally gone. Totally gone. I have no problems. I'm, I'm not taking any medications. I'm just taking those few things merely recommended. And I said, and who did the healing? She said, God. Do you see how God puts that in, in our hands to point it to Him? So you can't have a person with tachycardia and DC the lenoxin and say everything's going to be honky-dory. You could kill that person. But is there a way that we can learn and get, and, and where it says here, when physician, when, when physicians understand physiology in its truest sense, their use of drugs will be used very much less, and finally they will cease to use them at all. And so as we learn as medical missionaries, as we work with, the, as we're supposed to, the clinic, but many of us don't have that option, and so we just have to pray and we have to learn. And, and, and so how do I do it? I sh I'm an educator. People come in and they say, well, I have this problem. Okay, if you do this, this will happen physiologically. If you do this, this will happen physiologically. Pray and ask God what you should do. And so as they apply those eight laws of health, as they apply those herbs, I have them continually talking to their physician. I give them a page, a piece of paper that they document on. They're documenting um, each day how much water they're drinking, what they're eating for breakfast, dinner, and supper. Are they eating between meals? What their weight is? Um, you know, how many bowel movements are they having? Is, what's the constant? Is it a soft, loose, hard? How much stress do they have? How much depression do they have? How much anxiety do they have? I mean, how much exercise are they doing? And as they document all that, and then they have their meds down here, and they document how much they're taking, and finally, they, let's say it's blood pressure. And they, they came in, their blood pressure's on, on meds, they're over 200. I don't tell them to stop taking their blood pressure meds. Okay, here's what you can do. And we start, and, and watch this series, um, the um, uh, Old Mountain Remedies. It will show you what to do. And so as they apply that, and now their blood pressure's coming down, coming down, not tomorrow, not the next day, but it's coming down. And it's not long, their blood pressure's now about 100 over uh, 60, 8. Getting pretty low, ain't it? So call your doc. Maybe I tell them, you know, maybe around 110, call your doc. And, and say, okay, doc, I'm doing this program. I'm exercising. I'm eating this way. And um, I'm noticing my blood pressure's getting pretty low. Can you help me cut it back? Well, the neat thing is, is docs are now sending folks over to us because over 15 and a half years now, their patients are coming off their meds. And so they say, well, I've gone over to Walter and Mary Lou of Mustard Seed. And the, no problem. Yeah, let's cut that back a little bit because they've gotten used to what we're doing. And we're not doing crazy stuff. You don't want to do crazy stuff. And so as you, if you follow what God's showing us here, the same results can happen to you as you develop that relationship in your, in your community. And you may not have a clinic that has an Adventist physician. But the other physicians, they'll see by your fruit of what you're doing. Okay, now let's look at the sanitarium. That's what's supposed to happen in the clinic. Let's look at the sanitarium. 
We are not to erect in the cities large buildings in which to care for the sick because God has plainly indicated that the sick can be better cared for outside of the cities. Do we have hospitals in cities? Do we have large hospitals in cities? Are we following the guideline? So could something happen? How many hospitals are closing right now? A lot. Because they're not following the plan. And you can't blame it on anyone else if you made the mistake. If you have a child and you told the child, don't go out of the yard. And they go out of the yard. And then you have to go give them consequences. Is it your fault or the child's fault? Because you're trying to teach them. In many places, it will be necessary to bring to begin sanitarium work in the city. So it, it may have to. We have to start it in the city. But as much as possible, this work should be transferred to the country as soon as uh, suitable locations can be secured. So we may have to start an institution in the city, but then as soon as we can build something outside, we transfer out there. The light that has been given me, that is, instead of devoting our energies to upbuilding uh, in a few mammoth medical institutions, we should establish many smaller ones. And what is happening today is our smaller ones are falling apart to build our bigger ones bigger. We're just doing just the opposite. The purpose of our health institutions is not first and foremost to be that of hospitals. Let's read that one again. The purpose of our health institutions is not first and foremost to be that of hospitals. The health institutions connected with the closing work of the gospel in the earth uh, stand for the great principles of the gospel in all its fullness. Christ is the one to be revealed in all the institutions connected with the closing work. But none of them can do it so fully as the health institution where the sick, and the suffering come for relief and deliverance from both physical and spiritual ailment. Many of these need, like the paralytic of old, the forgiveness of sin, the first thing, and then need to learn how to go and sin no more. Do you see how our institution is supposed to be? How our lifestyle centers are supposed to be? It's not just to fix this problem or fix this problem medically yes we need to fix that problem and that problem but what's our ultimate goal to point the sin sick soul to christ if a sanitarium connected with it if, with this closing message fails to lift up christ and the principles of the gospel as developed in the third angel's message it fails in its most important feature and contradicts the very object of its existence. Is that not powerful? After seeing much harm done by the administering of drugs, I cannot use them. Now, who's speaking here? So what is she saying? After seeing much harm done by the administering of drugs, she herself could not use them and cannot testify in their favor I must be true to the light given me by who? By God. Pretty clear. Let's look at the schools. Schools to give instruction in useful trades. 
I'm excited about AD. Are you not, Dr. Vife? I am excited. Were you not ex excited when Wendy got up here the other day and told us about what's coming? This is what they're getting ready to do, y'all. I am excited. They're following God's Word. Okay, schools to give instruction in the useful trades. And manual training is deserving of far more attention than it has received. Schools should be established that, in addition to the highest mental and moral culture, shall provide the best possible facilities for physical development and industrial training. Instruction should be given in agriculture, manufacturers, covering as many as possible of the most useful trades. Also in household economy, healthful cookery, sewing, hygienic dressmaking, and treatment of the sick and kindred lines. Gardens, workshops, and treatment rooms should be provided, and the work in every line should be under the direction of skillful instructors. And I heard exactly that the other day. Did you not? That's exciting, y'all. We must have medical instructors who will teach science, the science of healing without the use of drugs. This is talking about our schools. We must have medical instructors. We must have medical instructors who will teach the science of healing without the use of drugs. We are to prepare a company of workers who will what? Follow Christ's methods. You are not justified in advocating one school above the others as if it were the only one worthy of respect. This is an interesting slide here, y'all. Those who vindicate one school of medicine and bitterly condemn another are actuated by a zeal that is not according to knowledge. With Pharisaic pride, some men look down upon uh, other who have received a diploma from the so-called standard school. Wow. Boom. The young men and women, uh, again, we're talking about schools. This is amazing. The young men and women who are being educated as nurses and physicians, we're not talking high school. We're not talking high school. Yes, we could be talking college. The young men and women who are being educated as nurses and physicians, I will say, keep close to Jesus. By beholding Him, we become changed into His likeness. Remember that you are not training for courtship or marriage, but for the marriage of Christ. Mary Lou and I met at Southern Matrimonial College, SMC. And I thought that I had two goals there. Get three goals. Get educated, get a job, and find me a wife. Or I didn't have a chance because they'd be all taken up. That's what we thought as boys. Y'all that were SMC with us? Um, is that what it's supposed to be? Education? And then, that focus then... And then God will provide you a mate. Health food manufacturing. The light given me is that the southern field and elsewhere, and elsewhere, or southern uh, Michigan, the manufacture of health foods should be conducted not as a speculation for personal gain, I think this is important, but as a business that God has devised whereby a door of hope may be opened for the people. It is our wisdom to prepare simple, inexpensive, healthful foods. Is there a food out there today that's quite expensive? Called an analog? Many of our people are poor. And again, remember, it's not just our people we're fixing this for. This food needs to be made so it can be sent to the health food stores that 
people that we bring in, our neighbors and friends, that they can afford, not just our people. Many of our people are poor and other people, and helpful foods are to be provided that can be supplied at prices that the poor can afford to pay. It is the Lord's design that the poorest people in every place shall be supplied with inexpensive, healthful foods. In many, places, industry, in many places, industries for the manufacture of these foods are to be established. Are we doing that? So let's, let's put this all together. How does this work? What's an industry around in, in this part of Canada? Pardon? Logging. Okay, logging. So let's say that, um, that Henry, a member, works over in, as a logger. And one of the fellows he's cutting trees with one day tells him that he's having some blood pressure problems. Also has some gout problems. And so... Henry starts telling him about some things that he can do to um, to uh, address the gout and address address the blood pressure. Both of them can be addressed. And the, and and then one day Henry says, uh, 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 the the church member says, hey, Henry, I tell you what, there is a restaurant. Would you like to go out to eat? With, you know, would you like to go out and eat with me one day after work? Sure. Or maybe at, at, during the noon meal, probably loggers logger can't come in during noon. So it, one, uh, one, say, Sunday afternoon or, or in the evening. So he brings Henry over to the restaurant. Wow, that's pretty good food. And it, it doesn't have meat in it? No? Well, that's, that's some good food. Well, where do you even buy food like this? Let me show you. There's this place over here. It's called a health food store. And you, and you take him over there and you show Henry the health food store. Henry goes, well, you know, I just, my doctor said I'd be on blood pressure medicine the rest of my life and there ain't everything I can do for my gout. Well, I tell you what. Now, the member could help Henry with both of those, but here's where that extra help comes in. He says, listen, I got a friend. He's, he's down at the clinic. And he's really good at getting people off blood pressure medicine. You know you're having problems with, with, uh, with your gout and you're having some side effects and, and you'd like to get rid of some of them side effects. Well, this guy gets folks off medication. And so you get him to go to the clinic who goes to that Joe Kretschmeyer and he goes over there and, uh, and so the physician says, oh yeah, you can get off that gout medicine, good chance. Let me show you what to eat. Because it's what you're eating is causing the gout. And yes, we can do some celery seed, and yes, we can do some cherry juice. There's a good, good chance we don't have to use the, the drug anymore. Let's give it a chance. And for that blood pressure, you've got some major stress. And you're not drinking much water, and you're a little bit overweight. So what if we lose a little bit of weight and drink a little bit more water, and we'll do, here's some things that are, you can get from the health food store that will help you with your stress. Now, when you go to the, to the, um, the orthopedist for that surgery, is he going to do the physical therapy? No. He's going to write the plan and he sends you off to the physical therapist. So the doc in the clinic says, listen, old Sam over here, he knows what to do. Just get with Sam and he writes out a plan hands it to him, he says, you give this to Sam, and he's going to help, help you out with it. You see what just happened? 
the medical missionary is still involved. That doctor is not pulling him in now. He's a resource to help that medical missionary. But let's say that it's, uh, well, let's keep going. And so uh, you can say, well, listen, Henry, um, this Sunday afternoon, you like, you like smoothies? Oh, yeah, I enjoy it. We had a smoothie down at that restaurant. Would you like to learn how to make them? Well, we, I, there's a smoothie class going on in town this week. You want to go take that smoothie class? Mary Lou's teaching it. And so you bring him over where? Could be the church. It could be the food store or it could be the restaurant where you're having smoothie classes. Could be food, how to fix healthy holiday meals, whatever it is. You're having all these cooking classes all the time. Could be a stress class. Henry, you're having problems with stress. There's a stress class coming up. You might want to take it. We're doing it over here uh, at our church in the evenings. You see how that works? Well, guess who's also at that stress class? Preacher's there too. And so as he's taking that stress class, which is, you know, maybe a month-long course, and then um, uh, you say, someone, the, the leader of the class says, oh, by the way, we got some, some classes on, um, on, uh, um, on the Bible. Would you like to learn about prophecy? Joe over here, he's going to be teaching it. Well, they don't know Joe's a preacher. Joe's just been helping them out with the classes. See how it works? You keep pointing. Or it may be a person at work that you just can't hog time enough and they need in a more controlled environment. And so you send them to the lifestyle center. And they're there for, you know, 14 days, 21 days, and then you can bring them on back. Or maybe there's a person at the lifestyle center that uh, is about getting ready to discharge. And one of the challenges we had, we had patients from literally all over the world, Africa, Russia, uh, Europe, uh, the Philippines, all over the world that would come to us. But then when we'd send them back home, were we sending them back in an environment that would support them? No, we weren't. You know what I'm talking about? They weren't the same lifestyle. They weren't, you know what I'm talking about. And so what happens here is the sanitarium calls up the church. The discharge planner at the sanitarium calls up the church ad admissions director and says, listen, I've got a, a person who works out at the, um, at the, in the logging in your area. And uh, they came out to our center and they have diabetes and we helped them and they're off their meds now. And uh, but we'd like to refer them on to a physician there and someone that can can follow them. You got anybody? Oh, yes. We got old Joe Kretschmeyer over here at the at the clinic. He'll be glad to pick them up. Just send the paperwork, just fax it on over and Joe will pick them up, pick them up. And by the way, uh, old Homer over here, he uh, we've got a, a medical missionary. He works in the logging field. Uh, we'll get him to pick him up in, at work. You see how it works? And then. We can then introduce them to the restaurant, the food store. God has a systematic system that he's written out. We just need to follow it. Before I close, um, there's been quite a few who've come and asked me, so how do I get started? I don't know what to do. So let me share this real quick. First, pray and ask God for guidance. What does God want you to do? Now, if you can't cook, don't go start doing cooking schools. 
ask God what your what your you know what your uh, uh, talents are. Now, maybe you want to do, do cooking schools. Well, go learn to cook first because before you go and do a cooking school, because it's got to look good, it's got to taste good. You know what I'm saying? So work that out with God and ask Him to direct you which direction He wants you to go. Then get a partner. It might be another member at church. It might be your spouse. Work together. Find, I find partnering can really work out well. Some people say, well, you know, I'm just not a person to get up front. I'm not a person to teach classes. You know, y'all got pickup trucks up here? You do? Well, see, you can do, you can do uh, neighborhood tailgate parties. Can you not? Do a neighborhood tailgate party. Who's watched Fat, Sick, and Never Dead? Okay. Did Joe use a juicer in the back of his vehicle? Do a neighborhood tailgate party. Pop that tailgate down and do a juicing class in the back of your pickup truck. Uh, that might work for y'all guys in Texas a little bit better, maybe. But do you see what I'm saying? And you may say, well, I, I just, I'm not one of Well, get your partner, do the talking, and work together. Read the Bible and the Red Books. I'm telling you, you've got to start out with, remember the dollar bill I showed the other day? You've got to make sure what's the true stuff. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When I took my Bible, it's my other one at the house, I went and took my highlighter. And once in Matthew, Jesus started healing. It wasn't a hardly a page I didn't turn that he wasn't healing folks. Go to Mark. Do the same thing. Go to Luke. Do the same thing. Go to John. And you're exactly right. You talked about there being parables. Who was it the other day talking about there's parables in John that aren't anywhere else? See how Jesus communicated those people. That's how you need to communicate with others. That's, we're to, to use him as the example. And then the other is, there's some really good books. Ministry of Healing. Councils on Diet and Foods. Mind, mind, character, and personality. There's all kinds of books that we can use that will teach us the truth. Then, you can go to, well, here they are, Ministry of Healing, Temperance, Councils and Diet and Foods, Medical Ministry, Mind, Character, and Personality, and Testimonies. There's some great information in uh, Testimonies, Volume 6, Volume 7. And PH 100 that I talked about earlier. Read and watch proven authors and practice what you learn. So there's other books that you can use. And another book down here, I got these down from the bookstore. Another book is the China Study. Excellent resource uh, that you can use. Ex who's watched uh, Forks Over Knives? It came out of this book right here. This is Cornell University and Cambridge University came up with this information. Great research. So who's some folks that you can look at? Amazing Discoveries Health Programs. Uh, there's these guys right here. Uh, let's look here. We got Walter Vive, Life at Its Best. Uh, he's got a bunch of them. Uh, we got Dr. Diane Burnett, Finding the Fountain of Youth. Uh, we got Dane Wilson, uh, Complete Restoration. We've got uh, Thomas Jackson, The Divine Prescription. 
We've got Rob McClintock, uh, Discover Total Health, Osteoporosis. We've got Old Mountain Remedies. We've got all kinds of information that you can pick up down here. And, and this will teach you. This will teach you what to do. And so what you want to do is go to people who, you know, you can trust. But I'm telling you, when you pick this up, don't go just by this. It's got to match this. You see what I'm saying? This has to match this. And I believe these do. But you also always have to do that. I'm almost finished here. Dr. Agatha Thrash. Uh, there's, I, the, I wanted to bring a book up from the store, but they're already sold out. It's so popular. Uh, her new, the new book that came out, it's about this thick. But she's got a bunch of books that you can trust. Excellent books. Nutrition and just all kinds of books. Hydrotherapy and charcoal. and Dr. Neil Nedley, Proof Positive. Uh, excellent book. If you want to learn the science behind those eight laws of health that Joe Kretschmeyer is teaching, Proof Positive is an excellent book by Neil Nedley. Depression, The Way Out. Dr. Kellogg, tremendous amount of books that you can learn on hydrotherapy and massage and, and physiology. Uh, Back to Eden, another book I got down there. A real good book by um, Jethro Kloss. And then practice. Practice what you're learning as you're doing. And then if you want to learn more about anatomy and physiology, go, one of the, go to your local community college and take anatomy and physiology. Again, remembering to compare it to these books right here. This is You've got to go to this book, these books, and this book. Now you've got to learn how to do Bible studies because it's not just medical missionary, it's medical missionary evangelist. Remember, you got I have to wear several hats on the fire department. I've got to wear fire, I've got to wear rescue, I've got to wear EMS, and I've got to wear hazardous material. Whatever scene I come on, I have to wear that hat. Or if that scene does several things, I have to be able to do all those things. You, In order to point the sin-sick soul to Christ, you need to know how to do Bible studies. Talk to them down there. I'm sure they got a resource for you down there. And then start pointing the sin-sick soul to Christ through the right hand. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord... You've made it so clear. You've told us what to do. You've given us the blueprint 156 years ago. Way back there when Lee was going from, from uh, Fredericksburg to Culpeper. That's been a long time ago. Lord, give us that desire to, to now relook at these items. Let's, let's reassess. Make a new plan. Let's make and, and implement that new plan. Because I know we're failing on that old plan. Lord, be with each one of these folks as they go home. Protect them. with. They're going home with zeal. And they may not be totally accepted. Lord, give them the strength if they need to just to do it themselves to start. Hopefully they can get others to, to see the light. Bless them. Give them that strength. If they get discouraged, lift them up. And help them remember what they've learned this week. Very valuable information that each of these speakers have given. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.